0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 1 John chapter 2. I want to share something with you that uh, actually Joyce sent to me today, um, just about the importance of the word. Because sometimes uh, our natural mind can kind of go, oh, we've heard this before, and you guys all know that, you're here. So you you, you understand the importance of shutting down your kind of your flesh and all that stuff and settling in midweek to hear the Word of God. But I, I just wanted to share this with you because I thought this was so good, and I'm not going to read the whole article. Um, the article uh, is entitled, Nine, Nine Tangible Benefits of Bible Reading for Your Church. Uh, but I'm not going to go into all of that. Um, I'm just going to share a few brief things here um, because this could show up in many messages in the, in the years to come, not only from me but from others, uh, just because the information is so good. But there was a study that was conducted a, a while back. Uh, 40,000 people from ages 8 to 80 were polled in this study. Um, and they wanted to see how people were engaging in Scripture. As they uh, compiled the results, they made a profound discovery they were not even looking for when they originally planned the survey. And so what they did is they started asking people about how many times they read their Bible a week, okay? And uh, they st- the study showed that uh, people... Uh, that engaged the scriptures, could be even through a service like where you're hearing the preaching of the word once a week after they were born again was pretty much negligent. They, the, the effect of the word in their life as far as showing up in a sanctified way in their lifestyle uh, was they were basically looked like the world. Um, those that engaged two times a week, in other words, maybe they were in two services or maybe they were in one service and then they maybe did a devotion once a week, uh, again, the the effects were pretty small. Three times a week, um, and what's interesting is is as it went from one to two to three, there was really no progression of any change in the people's life. A little bit, and it wasn't. It was. It wasn't like there was just even minuscule change. You know, like a like you would think. Well, if I'm if I'm doing something naturally and I did it three times a week, you might see some real progress, but there really wasn't. But listen to the results of four times a week. Now, this is four times you're engaging the Scripture on a weekly basis. The feeling of being lonely dropped 30%. Oh, wait till I get to the end of it. You think that's a lot. The feeling of being lonely just from reading the Scripture four times a week dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationship dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Just by reading the Bible four times a week. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Now, this is a study of 40,000 people. You know, obviously, it's categorized, you know, uh, to a degree, but, but you, get the, you, you see the impact here. Uh, viewing pornography dropped 61%. Now, nobody laid hands on these people. They just read the Word four times a week. This is why we have a daily Bible reading you understand? People think, oh, no, I just, you just religious people need to read the Bible. No, 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 no. You're, you're talking in a way of total lack of understanding when you talk that way about the power that is in this, these written pages. You're talking from ignorance and carnality when you talk that way. And unbelief, by the way, as well. And so you want to be careful about, it. oh, and not because you need to be scolded about it. It's because here's the thing. Unbelief causes you to sink after you've been walking on the water. In other words, miracle power does what? It ceases to operate, not because God was diminished in power, but because my faith is not engaged in the power that's always on ready to go. Amen? So uh, uh, sharing your faith with others, just reading your Bible four times, it jumped 200%. No evangelism school, no, uh, you know, uh, uh, effort by the church to bring everybody together and begin to talk about how to share your faith. Nope, just read your Bible four times a week, and it'll make that big of a difference. Uh, Discipling others jumped two hundred and thirty percent by those people who read their Bible at least four times a week. Isn't that amazing? Now, I can't fathom not reading my Bible every day of the week, so this to me is like, you know, it makes sense to me, but it's not like it really encourages me, but I know not everybody's there. Do you realize this, that you get to the point where you're so hungry, I actually do my devotion before I go to men's breakfast? Some people, you know, your carnal mind and your natural thinking will go, well, I don't need to do that. I'm going to go do a devotion. Well, I want to do it. Because I'm going to get something potentially out of reading that word. And besides that, I figured this out. This is the lowest calorie meal (laughs) you can possibly have. I can gorge this and not get chubby. (laughs) Right? How many have had, you've been reading your word and you've had a revelation from God or just it came alive to you. Is there any Better moment. I mean, it is the best. It is absolutely the best. And so that's why we do the things that we do. So First um, John chapter 2 is where we're at. We're going verse by verse. I got a lofty goal this evening, and we got to stick to it because I got an alarm clock set as well. Because I got to get more disciplined here. People say, you're, you, you need to get more disciplined? Yes. This is a, uh, we have not arrived. We've just left. <laughs> right, First John chapter two. I, I got to share this with you. This is hilarious. This is a, and you can't, you may not be able to see it. Maybe some of you eagle eyes can. But this is a, a note that Taylor's going to love me for this. But she's gone, so it's tough on her. It's yeah, it was quite a few years ago. It says to mom from Taylor, and she would leave these notes. So I use them as bookmarks. I keep them, and you know what I mean. You didn't know I was that sentimental. Anyway, (laughs) I know it's yours, but I still keep the stuff (laughs) because it's hilarious. Two mom from Taylor, and it's got stars and a heart. And then on the inside, I love you so much. I will be good, mom. (laughs) It's good. So if she ever gets out of hand, I'm like, well, you know, you told us when you were five. (laughs) Anyway. Yay, Taylor. She's with her sister in Colorado doing the Karis Days thing. So, all right. So, we are in 1 John chapter 2. So, last week, we finished out verses 12 through 14, and we actually broke into verses 15 through 17 in our verse-by-verse study here. And uh, I'm going to turn my tablet here so I can have a better view of what I'm looking at. So, from verse 12 through 14... Uh, we see a description of the levels of spiritual development in every believer's life. So basically, verses 12 through 14 give us Uh, understanding on spiritual growth. So just like we have natural growth charts and there are natural things that we see, uh, I know I took Ian to the doctor a while back to before basketball to get a physical and you know she's looking at you know they do all those tests and everything she's saying well you could be about this tall and they're never exactly right you know. I think I was supposed to be like five foot I don't know nine or something and I'm six foot so they're never exactly right but But they say, okay, these are the markers that we see and you're starting to head into this stage and you're going to start to grow, you know, because your weight is so much, your height is so much and this is what we project. Well, in the spirit, it's the same way, only um, the accuracy is a little bit better, I think, uh, than it is in the natural, right? So anyway, um, that's that's what the Holy Spirit was doing through John in talking about fathers, young men, and then... Children. So he was talking about those who are elders, or those who are mature in the Lord, then those that are teenagers or young men, and it could be young women, um, and then children in the Lord, those who are infants. And there were disc- there were certain uh, characteristics about each spiritual development level that are found really in all, even in the mature but they're markers at different levels depending on emphasis. And we went through those, so there's no reason to go through those. Again, you can go back and listen if you'd like to. Um, One of the things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to say was we should be able to identify ourselves in one place or another concerning our spiritual development. So you should kind of be looking at these things. So if you're constantly irritated with your spouse, you may need to grow up and stop being such a hormonal teenager in the spirit. Amen, good preaching, Sean. Go ahead, believe I will. Thank you. So, <laughs> I mean, that's as much for me as it is anybody, right? So if you're moody as a believer, who else is moody in your house if you have teenagers? So if I'm moody, if I'm up and down, up and down, up and down, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, and I'm happy and, uh, and yeah, the world's falling apart, uh, you know, and I'm all over the place, what's the problem? I'm a young person, Right. I need to control my emotion. Another way you might be able to tell is if you're rebuking the devil every time something, you feel something even off in your natural self. You know what I mean? You like wake up in the morning and you got an ache or a sore muscle and you're like, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. You're probably young in the Lord. Right? Because it's not a devil. You just lifted something that was heavier than what you're used to. Okay? <laughs> and you found out that your physical body is not glorified yet. So... Paul said that we groan, actually, that the world is groaning. What an interesting truth, right? Uh, It's an interesting thing, but it's a reality, all right? Every once in a while, the the world really groans and we have an earthquake or something like that, all right? So, but spiritual growth does not happen automatically. Um, We, as disciples, we have a part to play. As we continue to study and gain knowledge of the Word of God, fellowship with the Lord, and apply the Word of God to our lives, we mature spiritually. It should not surprise us that spiritual maturity precedes the next subject... We started into last week and we'll continue this weekend. So uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit through John is setting us up as this progresses. He's talking about spiritual maturity. Now we're not going to, eventually we'll get down to verse 18 where we talk about the spirit of Antichrist and what that is. And one of the main things that the enemy loves to do, which is why it's so necessary to have many mature believers in a body is he loves to peel off babies. Those who are full of zeal, but their knowledge level is low. Their experience level is low, right? So as younger believers um, in the Lord, we need to surround ourselves with older believers. I find this interesting. Do you know there are whole church uh, Growth movements that are designed around getting one particular age group into their church. I find that interesting concerning there's so much teaching about those that are mature in the Lord teaching the younger. And yet there's church movements that want to separate them from each other. Where do you think that church movement came from? Interesting, huh? Well, you know, those young people, I can't stand all those young people. They, their music is so loud. <laughs> well, if you're older and mature, you're, you, I find sometimes uh, Christian, older Christian, I just think to myself, some, sometimes because they haven't developed the way they should. You say this happens. Yeah. Very rarely here. Um, but it has happened. What I've found is they'll put up with anything in their own natural family, but the moment they get into the church, they want it their way. Let their their grandkids will come over and yell and scream and tear up the house. Oh, I just love them. <laughs> It's my favorite thing in the world. I love this. this. Well, that's a side note. I better hang on to that for a second. I'm going to set that right there. i got to stick on my point here. All right. But then they'll come to church and go, well, the music was too loud, this and that, and that, and that, and that, and that, and that. Well, are you wanting to have an influence on a younger generation? Or are you wanting it your way? Am I wanting it my way? Do you know there are songs, worship songs, there are styles and stuff and things that we do that I wouldn't pick. I'm like, uh, there's these uh, videos sometimes like on Facebook and other things where it says, if you were in the church in the 90s, you'll know all these songs. I know them all. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, the anointing's on that. The anointing's on that. But I don't go to joy and go, we need to sing those songs. Come on, I love hymns. I mean, I like all, I really do like almost all genres of music and and Christian music. I like Christian rap. I listen to Christian rap. When I was first saved, it helped me so much. Because I went from listening to, and some of you are not going to get this at all. Some of you will. But I went from listening to Easy E and Wu-Tang Clan and all of these other groups to, I cannot listen to these people anymore because, oh my gosh, what are they saying? And don't go look them up. If you don't know, just don't. All right? It's not going to bless you at all. (laughs) It's not worth it, okay? But there's so much... You know how much Christian music is around today compared to when I was first saved? And it was starting to get good then. It's really, things have really improved through the years. But even the younger generation, some of the things that they like, you know, uh, and some of the different things that have, be, have been trends through the years, do you know God will just, he'll, he'll, he, won't, he won't engage and embrace the sin of that generation, but he will use things that are neutral and put his spirit in it to reach them. And those of us that aren't in that generation can't look back and go, well, if they were really sanctified, they'd do the music like this. And that's how denominations are started. (laughs) I love it. Sometimes we'll be uh, playing cards with Terry and Susan at their house, you know, Texas Hold'em, stuff like that. (laughs) I'm teasing, I'm teasing, (laughs) we don't. Poker chips, they have a secret. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) boy we're on fire tonight aren't we we're hitting it but Terry will start playing the music that ministered to him from the hippie days you know the the Jesus the Jesus the flower children (laughs) you know Jesus revolution they probably weep through the whole movie because they're like yeah I was there that's actually footage I think I see myself but I love it because it Here's the thing, in that day to them, it reached them. And I know, I know I'm know, i on this subject of mature believers, but listen, the older generation, those that have been saved for 20, 30 years, you should be looking for ways not to try to dress like the younger generation or try to, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, maybe you can, I don't know. All right. So... Whatever, you understand what You should be looking for... You know what I've noticed? When I was... When, when, uh, and this is for all, all uh, of my, my kids with their grandparents, right? But, uh, and and uh, great-grandparents too, especially on uh, this side of the family, on Heidi's side. But uh, Grampy, which was Grammy's uh, husband, Leif. Uh, leaf and carol grampy you know my son would go and sit with grampy grampy did not dress like him grampy barely talked (laughs) and not because he couldn't he just was a silent person he just like literally i knew if i wanted to have a conversation with grampy i had to go sit down and wait five or ten minutes and say nothing and then he would say something but when he did talk you listened and he was very soft-spoken, but my son, Ian, at four and three, would we have pictures. He'd be sitting there next to him, doing whatever he's doing, in his pajamas or whatever. And he didn't care that Grampy didn't dress like him. And Grampy didn't, wouldn't be like, don't, you know, he wasn't trying to not... You know, he wasn't trying to conform him to his generation of clothing or style or any of those things, but they would share fellowship. So my point in this is that is to call those that are mature in the Lord or that have been mature in the Lord, how are we facilitating love, the love of God, to another generation below us? Because eventually they're gonna become the mature ones. And if we really want to see them go like we say we do to another level of glory, then we better be at the max level we can be. Right? So when changes happen and things take place and, and some of the trends in culture that are that are that, that are neutral in in nature, you know what I mean. They're not good and they're not bad. They're just vehicles or methods that we can use to preach, share the gospel, minister, have church fellowship, whatever the whatever the current uh, uh, thing that is most affected by the leading of the Spirit of God to that generation happens. We don't want to sit back as those that got saved maybe twenty or thirty years ago, maybe even forty or fifty years ago, and go, "Well, I'm, I'm not going to be. If they're going to do that, I'm not going to be a part of that." That's maturity, hello, right, and I'm not trying to get on you guys because I know that's not the case, okay, but I just, we have to keep that in the forefront of our mind because, you know, uh, Wanda's sitting back there, and she came from the Lutheran church, and guess what we don't do (laughs) church-like at all, (laughs) not even close. But she doesn't complain to me about that. Well, Sean, I wish you'd put a robe on. (laughs) (laughs) You better fast and pray a lot longer because you... (laughs) The point is, we can have fellowship with anybody if the love of Christ is dominating us. And maturity is a real thing, right? So even young parents or parents of teenagers or younger kids, as things begin to change... Your kids are going to be walking through stuff that you didn't walk through, you know? And so you're going to see things and have to deal and navigate with things with family and kids and and then those that are going to have grandkids. You're You're going to have to navigate things that are not the same. So how are you going to do that? Without compromising the power and the truth of the Word of God, the message cannot change, but the method is always up for change you know what i mean so we will never change the message because the message is stat it stays it's stable it it's immovable but the methods can change you know there was a season in america where tent meetings were a big deal and then it stopped and even recently some of it has kind of had a little resurgence we, it may completely change over the next few years. We don't know. What do we need to know? We need to know where we're at, what season we're in, but spiritual maturity will do that and then begin to operate in accordance with what God wants to do. And that's how a church doesn't, quote-unquote, die. Okay? Do you know every major denomination to a large degree started with a major move of the Spirit? If you ever want to see, I mean, I always, I've studied these things. I encourage you to look into them. Again, I've said Robert Laird is my favorite, but look into some of these things on the history of the Methodist church, the Lutheran church. I mean, all of these, the Methodists had moves of God. How many have ever heard of the Quakers? Do you know why they're called the Quakers? Because they used to sit in services and quake under the power of God. That's why they're called the Quakers. And you thought it was because of the oats. (laughs) Nope. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Mature believers do not place their affections toward the world. Therefore, mature believers consistently overcome the enemy. Verses 15 through 17 talk about not loving the world, and this is where we left off and the fact that we are world overcomers. A major key to walking in victory for the believer in this life is walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. If we walk in the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we will not, we will not walk in love of the love of the world. Verse 15 in 1 John 2 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world, and that has to do with the cosmos or the world system, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. One translation says it this way, Stop loving this evil world uh, and all it, that it offers. For when you love these things, you show that you do not really love God. Now, what I want you to understand here, and this, the New King James is a little bit blind because it says if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, what I would say is, I don't know if I would say the, that the best way to say that is the love of God is not in you. Because how many have the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit? What I would say is the love of God is not dominating you. Because of the nature of the flesh, which is the, enemy, the enemy's, Satan's primary point of tem- tempting, his primary access point is the nature of our flesh. Because of that, he tempts us to follow the f- fleshly, worldly, cosmos desires. World system desires. And since that's the case, if we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? So you actually can end up loving the world even though the nature of Christ is within you. If you allow your mind and your body to lead you, an unrenewed mind, the enemy's thoughts, and your body's desires to lead you as a believer, you can actually head down a path that looks nothing like Christianity, And most baby Christians still look, act, and talk like the world. And then over time, they'll go back over their Facebook page and go, oh, my goodness, why did I post that? And I'll just declare to you right now why you did, because you didn't know any better, and it's no big deal. Don't let the devil condemn you. Just keep moving forward. Come on. God's not holding against you what you don't know. He's not holding anything against you anyway. What I mean is he's not holding you accountable for what you do not understand concerning him and his word. And I don't mean understand like you could just quote it. I mean you're living it. True understanding. I don't know you know something. I used to tell the youth group this all the time when I was a youth pastor. I don't know you know it until you're doing it just because you can tell me john three 16, doesn't mean you've received john three sixteen. just because you can quote a scripture to me doesn't mean you're living it amen okay so we need to be aware of that so we don't want to love the world we cannot intimately we cannot live intimately with the lord and the world at the same time okay we cannot live free from what we enslave ourselves to have you ever heard that before? How many have read the book of Romans? Then you've heard it before. Because I'm quoting Romans. I mean, I'm not exactly quoting it, but I am giving a paraphrased version of it. So, whatever we enslave ourselves to, that we will walk in cooperation or intimacy with. All right? So, Romans chapter 6, verse number 15 through 23. Let's go over there. And this is where this principle comes into play. Romans chapter 6. So you cannot walk free of what you enslave yourself to. And so Paul was very good... The Spirit of God would have him do this, and, and the statement is made here. He, he says, look, I'm, I'm talking to you in natural terms because of your, the way you're thinking. I'm, I'm going to give you a natural illustration of a spiritual principle, and then you put it into practice, and you'll get proper results. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse number 15 says this, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? He says, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now, who did he write this to? To the church. You mean that a church member could enslave themselves to sin? Yep. You say, what will happen? There'll be a harvest. Well, they're going to lose their salvation. <laughs> careful now. Careful, careful, careful. Right? If you, and we've gone down this path, so I'm not going to go down this route. But remember, s- uh, sinning after you're saved doesn't cause you to lose your salvation. Any more than doing a righteous deed before you're saved caused you to get saved. Salvation is a for-free gift. It is by grace through faith so what did you do to earn it nothing right so the uh, you had to receive it right so that's a different thing but if if i'm going to function in sin as a believer what is it going to lead to death right where is that death yeah if i sow to the flesh i reap from the flesh what corruption destruction right if I sow to the Spirit, I reap from the Spirit what? Eternal life, right? So is that, a, is that a practice of works for heaven and hell after you're saved? No, it's a principle of kingdom operation here, okay? So if you could live perfect, why did Jesus come? Come on, if your salvation was... I gotta, I'm I feel like shooting a religious cow right now. I need a double-barrel shot. How many saw uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite? There's a few adults that were like, I had to watch that thing because it was popular when I was a youth pastor. Do you remember when they shoot the cow? That's what I want to (laughs) do. They line that thing up, boom, shoot it in the head. (laughs) They don't show the actual thing. But... I was raised around the Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch, so I know how to slaughter a cow. I was there for the whole thing. And I'm not going to talk about it. For your sake, I don't care. (coughs) In other words, how did you get born again? How many good deeds on the good deed list did you have to do to get saved? How many laws did you have to complete? How many? Who lived perfectly? Jesus. How'd you get in? Faith in Jesus. Now, for those that think, again, maybe you're online, but for those that think, well, we shouldn't live in sin, duh. That's what we just read in verse 15. If you're going to challenge the preaching, then pay attention to the scripture. And I'm talking to somebody online because I refuse to believe it's in the room. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Just leave me with my head in the sand. All right. (laughs) Duh, you know what I mean? I mean, duh, we're not promoting sin. Sin is stupid. It causes death to operate in our lives. People say, oh, no, it doesn't. Go ahead, start lying to everybody you love and see what happens. Jesus is still going to love you, but people are not going to trust you. And you're going to reap death because you were, you were acting as a liar. You were enslaving yourself to something that's not of your spiritual nature. Amen? All right, so I'm glad we cleared that up a little bit anyway. If you want to know more on that, you just got to go back in the series and look up about the unpardonable sin, and you can learn about that. All right, so, hallelujah. Verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So what was changed? Our heart was changed. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, where were we set free from sin? In the spirit right? Now, can that freedom translate to the flesh? Yeah. Now, watch. You became a slave of what? Righteousness. Verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of what? Uncleanness and of leading to more. So now present your members as slaves of For, verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? In other words, how was the meal after you lived in sin? What did you take in? What was the harvest like? Paul's saying, don't forget what the harvest was like for the end of those things is death. Verse 22. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, what? Everlasting life. Is he talking about you earning salvation or earning heaven? No. He's talking about the manifestation of Zoe life in this life now. Have you ever noticed that alcoholism pays death? Come on. Right? It does. Those type of things, the nature of the flesh, they have a reward. What is the reward? Death. But could, is, is alcohol, is, is somebody who's, who's dealing with alcohol situation, is that the unpardonable sin? No, it's not. I didn't say it was good. I didn't say it was okay. But I also know this, that if you harp on sins in people's lives... They'll end up becoming condemned, discouraged, and they'll give up. I'm absolutely right. Because I know how the Lord operated when he was here, for one. But I've watched it happen through the years. Listen, if you have a sin, a hang-up in your life, I'm not saying, yeah, woo-hoo, don't worry about it. It's under grace. I'm not saying that at all. That thing will cause you death in your life. But neither am I going to go, well, you can't come here. You can't do anything. You can't be a part of fellowship here. You can't learn here. You can't do any of those things. Because why? Because you're not being perfect, so God's not going to accept you. How are you ever going to get free? If you never can fellowship with the Lord after you do something you weren't supposed to, how are you ever going to live in freedom? How are you going to participate and eat of grace? How are you going to participate and engage in the very anointing and empowerment that you need to overcome this flesh issue, the flesh issue? You won't. Why? Because you go, and I've heard it time and time and time again. There's no point. I just give up. I just can't do this. Thank you. Thank you for understanding that. You can't do it on your own. That is the exact, excuse me, that is the exact point. I almost fell. That would have been really embarrassing. I wasn't saying excuse excuse me to the podium, just so you know. I was just saying excuse me to you because I was being interrupted. I was interrupting myself. That is the exact point, right? You You don't have the power by yourself to overcome the enemy. If you did, the law would have worked. Because sometimes people think, oh, they talked about that thing and I got that thing. In my, in I know the devil tried to do this to me. I got that thing going on in my life. Man, how am I ever going to get over this? Well, I knew it was wrong. You don't have to tell people when they're doing wrong. They know. They know when they're doing wrong. They know it. Jesus had this innate ability under him presenting and bringing in this covenant of grace. He had this innate ability to be able to be around sinners, love them to where they didn't feel condemned, but convict them to where they knew, i got to change. I've had enough of that. And they felt empowered to overcome rather than shamed to where they shrunk away and said, no. I can't do it anyway. Religion does what? It will enslave you to your works. Well, I just am not I'm just I'm not going to be good enough. You're exactly right. In and of yourself, you're not. But with him and his power working through you and your yieldedness, you will overcome things that seem impossible to you. Well, Sean, you don't know how long it's been going on. It doesn't matter. Time is not an issue with God. He doesn't look at the time that somebody's been in bondage and go, oh, there's no hope for them. God is not impressed by the time of the bondage. He has never seen a case that is too far gone. Amen. So Christians must guard against centering their affections on the world its ways, and desires. Only God is worthy of our highest devotion. The world that is referred to as the cosmos, I'm not going to go into all of that right now, but I want to end on this. Loving anything above the Lord is a form of spiritual adultery or idolatry as well. Just like any natural relationship, our affections can become cold if we do not set ourselves to keep them hot. Take time before the Lord and allow Him to add or remove things out of your life. Let Him direct your attention and affection. When the Lord directs my attention, what else does He direct? My affection. Right? Right? Now, there are things here that I want to get into, but I just don't think I'm going to be able to tonight. Because in verse 16, we're going to talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But I want you to see this. The enemy is going to tempt you according to the world's system. Now, what do I mean by that? He's gonna tempt you according to the flesh. In other words, his system in the world is designed to motivate your flesh. Does that make sense? Okay. Go over to 2 Corinthians 4:4. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. Let's look at scriptures concerning the spirit in this spirit in the earth or the motivation that's, that's uh, in the earth. So we know that Adam and Eve sinned, right? Prior to that, was there any sin in the earth? So 2 Corinthians is where we're going, chapter 4, verse number 4. So there was no sin in the earth before Adam and Eve ate of the wrong tree, right? Okay. So then after that, uh, and I've heard it said this way, which I like. Adam and, Eve had, Adam and Eve had the legal right to do what they did in eating, but they did not have the moral right. Which I like that statement. There's a lot there, but again, we don't have time to get into all of that. But 2 Corinthians 4, 4. So what is the spirit that is oper, operative in the earth right now, around the world? Verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4 says, Whose mind's the God of this what? age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of christ who is the image of god should shine on them all right let's go to ephesians chapter two you can jot these down if you don't want to turn to them Um, ephesians chapter two verse number one i want you to see this there's an influence going on in the earth satan is called the god of what this this age or this world right and so uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1 says, And you he made alive, this is talking about when we were born again, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So, so we were dead in trespasses, trespasses and sins, but now we are made alive in Christ. Look at what Paul says then by the Spirit of God. Now he goes back to their former life. Okay, now he's going to revert back to w- before they were saved. He says, In which you once walked according to the what? course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the the spirit who now works in the sons of, do you see that? Do you see what was influenced, where were they before? Before they were saved, they were under what? The influence of the prince of the power of the air. They actually had the spirit of disobedience within them. When you get born again, the spirit of what comes into you? Obedience. Do you see that? It was a spirit of... You don't get a second spirit of disobedience when you get saved. (laughs) You get a spirit of what? Obedience, right? Okay, verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the what? Of our... Where does the spirit of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air, where does he tempt fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the and were by nature the children of what wrath just as others all right go to ephesians chapter 6 you say what is this showing me this is showing you how the world operates in this temptation that's in the world okay Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, but against one, against two, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against... Those are the four levels of demonic influence and authority that are operating in the earth. They have one leader, he's called the prince of the power of thee, okay? And there's a hierarchy that's working in the demonic realm, in, their, in the demonic kingdom, that is influencing what? What is it attempting to get you to follow? The nature of your flesh. That's good. There's a whole lot more here. The Lord has been opening this up to me. I mean, I'm just amazed. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, will end here. 2 Thessalonians, to the right of Ephesians. In case you don't know. I don't want to stop here. I want to go for another four hours. But the faith kids would go nuts. <laughs> All right. No? All right. I want you to see this, okay? This is how... The spirit of the age works, or the spirit of Antichrist. Now, the reason why I want to, I'm, I'm saying this and sharing this is because it ties into verse 16, and it ties into verse 17, and then verse 18 uh, uses the actual phrase Antichrist. Now, in the Scriptures, John is the only one that references Antichrist, that phrase. Now. Antichrist spirit and antichrist, the, the nature of the enemy is mentioned by other uh, writers in Scripture, but it, it he is it's not called Antichrist. It's called Son of Perdition. It's called all of these different things. Okay, but I want you to see mostly what I want you to see with these uh, four different passages is how the enemy works. He attempts to tempt. His goal is to tempt flesh. Watch. I want you to understand this. This is a spiritual reality in the spirit. If he can get me to yield my members to the desires of the flesh, it gives his spirit realm access to my natural realm. You see it? Okay, let me give you a scripture. Alright? Everybody loves this one. They love to quote it, especially when you first get saved. People are like, ooh, I wonder who the giants are, the Nephilim, the Nephilim, <laughs> the giants, A- A- Anak and all these giants, the Nephilim. I want to know about the Nephilim. What were the Nephilim? They were the, they were birthed, they were, they came into being from the sons of what? What is called God, right? Through the daughters of And that's how you got what? Giants. Giants. Or, now don't go too far down that path, okay? Stick with me. Or, because I don't want to go down that path. I want you to see this. So the spirit world tempted the nature of the natural world. The natural world responded and participated. And what happens? Have you ever read in James how sin gives birth to death? You're tempted, then you meditate, then you activate through disobedience or obedience to the false spirit, and then you conceive or give birth to a spiritual thing. And it could be if you yield to demonic, it could be a manifestation of what? The demonic, death. But what if you yield to righteousness? Come on, you little... Blessed children of God, think with me now. How did Jesus get into the earth? The spirit, the word engaged a woman. Come on. And she said, be it unto me according. And she birthed the son of God. Now, nobody's going to do that. That was the one shot on that end. But what can we birth that is the seed of the word of God? righteousness, holiness, healing, deliverance. Come on, when we pray for people, lay hands on them, what are we doing? I'm saying, Lord, I'm your lightning rod. Go ahead. And I'm gonna lay hands on this person and the demonic activity in their physical being is gonna be removed. Do you see it? So this is why as believers... We should long for biblical holiness. because the more uh, really when it comes to the power of God and, and the ability for God to flow through us, we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be something that where the power of God, the lightning of heaven, hits us and it has nowhere to go. We want to be a conductor of God. But the more we yield to flesh, the less we conduct. Not because it can't be that way, because all we have to do is simply make some adjustments. We just need to love God more than the... Yeah. It's simple, right? All right, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 1. Here we go. Ready? Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you, Not to soon be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit, by word, or by letter, as if from us that the the day of Christ had come. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of what? Perdition. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits... "...as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining him, that he may be revealed in his own time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way." Verse 8, "...and then the lawless one will be revealed, who the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming." The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. How does he do those? He's got people that will cooperate with him. Watch verse number 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Verse 11, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they may believe the lie. In other words, you can have what you want. Verse 12, that they may be what? Condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in. Where am I supposed to present my members to? Righteousness. As a believer, if this is why holiness is, you know, people, people uh, at times have understood this wrong, and, and what has happened is it's re- turned into a religious manipulation tool rather than a principle of freedom. Living free from the desires of the world is not a matter of taking away your fun. You have never had fun like you can until the fullness of God is in everything that you do. Now, I'm not going to get it. I can't get into this tonight. Boy, do I want to. My goodness. There's so much here, but I can only go so far and so fast. It'll have to be next week. But let me say this. Neutral things... And I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify this more next week, because I have I have struggled, fought, prayed, whined, <laughs> longed for God to give me understanding on how to say things that are in my heart for people with with in such a way that it'll be heard, with them not being in a place of feeling like they're condemned or they're or God's like trying to make their life worse in some way. Cuz the devil is working double overtime to make you believe that God hates you or that you did something that he can ne- you can never recover from. But yet we have to have principle of truth. You can't abandon truth for the sake of supposed freedom. Tr- true freedom only comes through what? Truth. Right? So basically what I felt like the Lord was saying to me was simply this, and I'm going to read it. I have to. Otherwise, it just won't make sense. Sorry, Pastor Herb. Who's down there? Just lay hands on Lori when you get down there. She's probably like, turn the music up. That'll make them stop. (laughs) She's sweet. She's super patient. God has blessed us all so very much, and I'm jumping ahead here, but I want you to hear this. Even in the midst of a world that is dying from sin, we still we can still so easily see God's goodness and enjoy so many of the good things he created. How many are thankful for that? Now, I'm, I'm referring to not the world above loving God, but I want you to understand something about what God is saying in this and what he's not saying, and I believe this says it. Verses 15 and 16 deal with a subject that as a minister and pastor, I have struggled to relate to people, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is helping me uh, or helping us do a better job of putting words to what is sensed in the heart. God is not opposed to the neutral things in this life that we enjoy. He wants us to enjoy the outdoors, family, Spouses, kids, grandparents, sports, money, food, entertainment, vacations, vehicles, houses, cabins, airplanes, pets, etc. Where do you think those things came from? The devil? Yeah, the devil's running around creating cool cats like Maine coons. I love my wife. She's like, We're not getting a cat. A Maine coon's like a lion, though. I mean, that thing's huge. I just want people to come in the door and go, ooh, they got a lion. Get out of here. All right. So (laughs) what God is opposed to is when these things hold a higher place in our lives than he does. Maturing believers take time to hear from God concerning the order of their life, and then they adjust all natural things to that leading. Carnal or immature believers either hear from God and then allow the world system to dictate what they do, or they don't even bother hearing from God at all. They simply make their own plans following their own desires. And it doesn't mean they're not saved. They are saved. I believe that as we continue to mature spiritually, we will find the place, listen to this, of satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, both spiritually and naturally putting our full trust in the Lord concerning his kingdom and the enjoyment of things in this life will bring us into the balance we desire and many times struggle to find. Do you know why I don't want to let go of natural things? Do you know why naturally I don't? It requires faith. And my flesh goes... If you give that away, it will never come back. Your flesh does this. It says, how long did you not have? Now, I'm speaking of me, okay? So you have to apply it to you. Okay, a while back, we blessed somebody with a vehicle, right? And I had a, so we had three vehicles in our house. I never had to wait for my wife. Oh, and vice versa, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're driving your vehicle now, yeah. <laughs> what does my flesh do? It says what? You don't want to do that. You believe God for that. That's our car. And it's fast. It was fast. I mean fast. It was quick and fast. Fast all-wheel drive, and turbocharged. That's impressive. That's good stuff, isn't it, Dale? It is, yeah. Dale knows. He's got a Mustang. I know. I know what he likes. (laughs) And it ain't one of them wimpy little knockoff ones with the little four-cylinder in it because you couldn't afford the good one. (laughs) It has got guts. But what does my flesh say? Don't do that. But what does my heart say? Ooh this is an opportunity to love God who I can't wait because you know that even if I even if I I never even if I live with uh you know riding around or driving chauffeuring my wife around for the rest of her life (laughs) (laughs) even if I do that do you know what kind of rewards in eternity I think that car was fast In other words, what? I can love God above the world. Because what does it matter? And did God, I got that car up to 100 miles an hour on the highway, don't tell nobody. But I got that car up to 100, and and I was late for, I was actually gonna do a graveside for a funeral and I was late. And so I wasn't intentionally late. I was not intentionally late. Okay, so, (laughs) but I got that car up to 100 miles an hour in no time on the highway. And it wrote, I mean, mm. none of this, you know, some of you get your car up to 40 and you feel like the doors are going to fall off. It was none of that stuff. Those seats wrapped around you. You know what I mean? In other words, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And God was not like, get rid of that thing right now or you're not going to make heaven. He knew. He knows my heart. He knows, you be, you just go ahead, you can give that away. <laughs> Yay, God. And I was more excited about giving it away than keeping it. That's how you know you're in the spirit. <laughs> right? Because somebody else needed it. And if I have compassion in my heart toward my brother, how could I lock it up and I have this world's goods, according to 1 John? I can what? You need it. Take it. It's yours. It's paid for? Yeah. And you can have the warranty that's with it too. I figured out how to transfer a warranty in the process. It only cost me 25 bucks. And guess what? I didn't make them pay the 25 bucks. I paid it. Why? Cause I wanted it to them to cost them what? Zero. Years ago it would have been like, Oh, look at that big seed. I'm going to get a hundred fold off that seed because I was young. And you say, will you get 100-fold? Sure, I'll get a hundredfold off of it. But I don't care. That just means I'll have something else to give away later. <laughs> I'm irritating the devil on all levels. Right? Do you see that? We are way over. The alarm did no good. None. None. Did you get anything? Bless you guys. We'll see you later.